As soon as I got to the car, I broke down and I probably cried for about a week. Like I did when they got transferred to a different shelter. I cried the whole time I didn't see them. I'm Phil Hatterman, and you're listening to Dog Words, presented by Rosie Fund. Today, Rachel Province talks about fostering a bonded pair of rat terriers, Pam and Big Boy. We also get to hear from their adopter, Cheryl Warder, who tells us how she and her husband, Hugh, found them and how they became Poppy and Ozzy. On Dog Words, we've talked about a lot of dogs looking for their forever home, but we've never done the follow-up after they get there. It's great to hear that it was worth the long wait for these sweet senior dogs. If you're new to Dog Words, in each episode, we explore the world of dog care and companionship. We Save Each Other is the motto of Rosie Fund, which simply means the more we do for dogs, the more they do for us, and they already do a lot. You can support Rosie Fund by making a donation on our website or Facebook page. You can also contribute by making a purchase from the store on our website, buying a t-shirt at bonfire.com, or buying our note cards featuring Rosie and Peaches and our shirts on barkyours.com. Links are in the description. Your donations and purchases help fund the Rosie Life Starter Kits that make sure these senior and harder-to-adopt dogs have some of the items they'll need in their forever home. Any donation amount is greatly appreciated, but here are some popular levels. $30 provides a collar and leash for a Rosie Life Starter Kit dog, and $100 covers their entire kit. You can also support Rosie Fund by downloading, subscribing, rating, and most importantly, sharing dog words. Follow us on social media, even if you aren't looking for a dog. Watching and sharing the videos helps our channel gain exposure, bringing awareness to our cause and giving shelter dogs much-needed attention. Our free Rosie Fund YouTube channel offers great videos of Rosie, Peaches, and shelter dogs looking for their forever home. We welcome your comments, questions, and suggestions, especially if you have an idea for a topic or guest. Go to the podcast page at rosiefund.org to share your thoughts. Next time on Dog Words, Bob Bryant, co-founder of Mission Canine Rescue, tells us how they've reunited over 540 canine veterans with their former military handlers. The mission of Rosie Fund is to provide humans with the resources and education they need to give senior and harder-to-adopt dogs a better life. Thank you for joining our mission. Today on Dog Words, we have a couple of guests that we'll be interviewing separately. I'm going to start with... Rachel Province from Wayside Waves, but who has a wonderful, rich history in animal welfare. Rachel, welcome to Dog Words. I'm glad to be here. We first met you when, for Rosie Fund, we were doing some video to promote Pam and Big Boy. They were, well, you tell us who Pam and Big Boy were. <laughs> Pam and Big Boy came into KC Pet Project when their owner wasn't able to care for them anymore. And they kind of sat there a few weeks and just kept getting passed over before they got transferred to Great Plains SPCA. And I really could not just stand the thought of not knowing how they were doing every day or where they were going to end up. And I just had to bring them home, little bonded pair. And do you think that was the challenge in them getting adopted was... Their age or the bonded pair or combination? It was a few different things. Like I showed them to potential adopters at KC Pet Project. People are usually not so worried about age when it comes to smaller dogs, but they were on the larger end of being a small dog at 25 and 30 pounds. Mm -hmm. Well, one of them is named Big Boy. (laughs) Yeah, Big Boy. They were both a little chunky. And then I think having two dogs was a little different, especially with two 
very different personalities. Mm-hmm. So if you're looking for a certain thing in a dog, you don't have that with the two of them. You get everything all at once. <laughs> and I hadn't thought about that. And we're going to play the interview that I did just the other day with their adopter. But I guess I think of the challenge with a bonded pair is usually just the two dog part of it. Mm-hmm. People, I want a dog and there's fewer people who want two dogs than there are people who want one dog. But I think you make a great point that people are looking for a particular personality. I want a snuggler or I want a dog that's confident and assertive mm-hmm. or whatever. And they definitely have different personalities. They're a great pair. They're great together. They're definitely bonded. But yeah, they might not both fit with the same adopter. So it's wonderful that there was an adopter who mm-hmm. saw past that or was willing to accept that, or perhaps Cheryl actually wanted that. So we're going to talk more about Pam and Big Boy in a little bit and their journey, but let's talk about your journey. How did you get started working in animal welfare? I kind of just always tried helping animals, even when I was little. I would just find random squirrels and stuff and bring them home. And I'm like, I'm taking care of this animal until it's better. And I decided to go to college to become a vet, worked at a vet clinic, and I was like, "Mm, never mind. (laughs) I continued college and went into zookeeping, but I was at an animal sanctuary in Texas, so it was still a rescue. And moving to Kansas City was just the best choice for my family at the time, And I wanted to stay in rescue, so I started at Casey Pet Project. What kind of animals were at the sanctuary in Texas? Really anything. They started out with big cats, so it was mostly like tigers, bobcats, and that type of stuff. They also took in primates, so we had some lemurs, macaques. And then we had little, like what would be pocket pets, like bearded dragons or ball pythons or a frog. (laughs) Did you have a specialty that you kind of focused on, or is it kind of an all-hands-on-deck sort of place? It's wherever you're needed, you get... Um, yeah, that in. place, we we just did it all. Everything from feeding to cleaning, enrichment, showing visitors the animals. We did everything. Which is great experience, because it helps you figure out what it is I like about doing mm-hmm. this, and maybe later on focusing on something, or maybe you decide, oh, I like all of this. So you come to Kansas City, and... You are at KC Pet Project. What were your responsibilities there? I started out on their canine care team. So we would start out every morning cleaning all the kennels, getting the dogs out to play groups or taking them on a walk if they didn't go to play groups. Then through the middle of the day, we would show dogs to potential adopters and kind of tell them about the dog's history, try to find a good fit for them. And then end the day, walking dogs again, feeding them again, spot cleaning their kennels, making sure they're ready to go to bed for the night. When did you start at KC Pet Project? Was it in the current facility or was it at the old facility? It was at the current facility. I started February 2022. Okay, so they'd been in there a couple years. Mm -hmm. Have you ever made the drive over to where they used to be? I have not. I've heard stories. (laughs) It will give you, and I'm sure just because you've worked in other animal welfare, you already have a great appreciation for what a wonderful facility that is. Mm -hmm. But even more so, just drive over there. And I don't know if you can go up the driveway or not, but you can see it from the road just to see what that is, that Casey Pet Project and prior to that, just animal control, what they endured before this this present facility. Mm -hmm. Because now you're at Wayside Waves, which is also 
a great facility, but not as big. And it's also private. Yes. So they don't have to, they don't have the same responsibility as this KC Pet Project. So they have a little more control over who we take, how we handle it. And that serves a vital role in the community. Because if we just relied on the municipal animal welfare, they would be so overrun. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's important to have organizations like Wayside Waves. What prompted you to make the move to Wayside Waves? I think I was just looking to do something a little bit different. Um, so at Wayside Waves, I'm not on the canine care team anymore. I'm more on the behavior team. And I just learned while working at KC Pet Project that I really prefer the harder to place dogs or the ones that might have some challenging behavior and need a little bit of help to get them to where they can be adopted. Every adoption is so heartwarming when you're with a rescue group or a shelter, but it's those dogs that have challenges, either because of their age or behavior, especially the ones that are long timers. Mm -hmm. For instance, Rosie, for whom Rosie Fund is named, she'd been there for eight months, and that was in the old shelter, and she was dog-aggressive, and so she's surrounded by a hundred kennels of dogs in a big Quonset hut of just noise. And obviously that's a challenge in and of itself, but then she was also heartworm positive and pit bull and senior. So when we fostered her, the staff and volunteers are beside themselves, let alone when we adopted her. So you get to have that experience of seeing a dog go from how does this dog get adopted to taking it through its challenges or overcoming its challenges? Are there any that really stand out to you that you thought, I don't know how we're going to get this dog where it needs to be? Honestly, my own dog that I adopted from Casey Pet Project. Uh, he was there for four or five months before I adopted him. What's his name? Shug. Was he Shug in the shelter? He was. That was his name in his previous home, so... We just kept it and call them sugar. Yeah, sometimes they work the name that they come in with, and sometimes they do not. Right now we're fostering Vinny. He had a different name when he came into the shelter. He was an owner surrender, and we're not going to say that name because he's laying next to the recording console. And as we discovered earlier, he's not pleased when he hears that name. So, <laughs> no, <he's not. laughs> so, so we'll leave that. I call him Vincenzo del Corpo Lungo. It's because he's sophisticated. Yes, that's, that's his fancy Italian name, Vincent of the Long Body, because he, <laughs> when he lays down, he will stretch out with his front legs way out in front of him and his hind legs way out behind him, and then will kind of scoot and crawl, just all stretched out. And he'll be on the couch, and there's no room for you to sit on the couch with him. You have to move his legs. And he's like 70 pounds. It's not like he's an English Mastiff or, or an Elk Hound or something. He's a pit lap mix, but likes to take up all the space that he can. So what prompted you to give Suge his forever home? Suge was just, he was obviously not getting adopted in the shelter, and that did have to do with some of his behavior challenges. And just the longer he was there, the harder of a time he was having. And then around the time I adopted him, I was just like, I cannot live without this dog. And I was crying over him and begging my partner to let me bring this dog home. I was like, I'm going to do everything. I'm going to take him to training. We're going to do it all. How long have you had him <laughs> um, as, as your dog? 
We've had him for four months. And I'm going to put you on the spot. What kind of progress has Suge made? Well, we can now drive past someone without him barking in their face. (laughs) And that's a big deal. That is. Before it was like, if he's with someone he's trusted, it's a whole different story and he's a lot calmer. But if he's just by himself or some complete stranger is walking him on a leash, if another complete stranger comes up, he's scared out of his mind and he reacts to them. That's important to keep in mind for someone who's adopting, understanding that responsibility. Mm-hmm. Maybe this dog has issues, but are they issues you can mitigate just by how you treat the dog, where you take the dog, who the dog is with, mm-hmm. and does that fit your lifestyle? And can you be patient? And you can get a sense from the shelter, especially when like Wayside Waves or Great Plains or KC Pet Project where there's enough staff and volunteers around the dog that they get a sense, this dog just needs to be out of here. Yeah. It it can improve if it's in a different environment. You could see that. You could see that he will improve. And also to keep in mind, he may never be the model dog. Right. And I don't expect him to be. I like to keep my... I don't like to have a lot of visitors at my house either. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't like that. So... It's a nice excuse sometimes. I'm like, I can't have a guest over. Shug won't like them. <laughs> so Yeah. So, yeah, anybody out there, especially the, the introverts who don't like people just dropping in on you, get a dog. And even if it's not a dog that is uh, sort of reactive like Shug, no one else needs to know. They don't As know. far as they know, <laughs> it's the dog's fault. I'll link to the interview we did a month or two ago with dog behaviorist Kim Brophy, who talks about the way we train dogs, the way we socialize dogs, should not be based on our expectations of what a dog should be. It should be based on what is that dog's personality? What is that dog's need? Yes. Because there are dogs that are extroverted. There are dogs that are introverted. There are dogs that have emotional issues, health issues, all kinds of things that you don't train out of them. Mm -hmm. You don't train them to be something other than what they are. You can still socialize them to behave appropriately, to not be dangerous, Mm -hmm. but then it's also the owner's responsibility to not put that dog in a situation that puts the dog or others at risk instead of, I'm going to force this dog to be something it isn't. So I'm so pleased that you recognize Suge for what he is, but that you're also helping him reach his potential. Mm -hmm. That's that's exciting. And that you're doing it for other dogs, not just the one that uh, you adopted. (laughs) So when you fostered Pam and Big Boy, I hesitate because their names change and we haven't gotten to the part of the story where their names change. So how long did you foster Pam and Big Boy? I think I fostered them for three months. (laughs) And as we discussed, they weren't a fit for just any home. They were in the shelter for a while, then they were in foster for a while. Did you have a lot of uh, nibbles from people who are interested? Because... Their pictures were great, and the video we posted of them, they were just absolutely adorable. Yeah. It was really weird. Normally, small dogs are, people are at least Mm going to ask about them, but nobody asked about them. Before their adopters, they only had one meet and greet, and it was after we sat at the shelter all day in a meet and greet room waiting for people to say hello. And the pictures in the description of this episode, that's Pam and Big Boy, and those aren't... uh, like touched up glamour shot photos to make them look their best. That's that's who they are. They were and are great looking dogs, yeah. great personality, 
But again, as you mentioned, they didn't have the same personality. Talk about what their dynamic was, Pam and Big Boy. Pam was kind of the leader of the two. She is very spunky and sassy. (laughs) Pam, she just goes and does what she wants. Yep, that's her. And then Big Boy is a little bit more on the shyer, more reserved side. He'll come up to you with his ears back and super slow ask for his pets, and he just wants to cuddle you while Pam's right there next to you just constantly squeaking a toy and bouncing off of you. When we shot the video and you weren't there, we were in your front yard with your partner, and Big Boy would hang back because Dawn was shooting the video and then I was doing the interview. And you could tell he's waiting for Pam to sign off on these two people. Mm -hmm. And then once she had kind of checked us out and, like, they're okay, then he's like, okay. Pam said this is okay, and he's big boy because relative to Pam, he is bigger yeah. than she is, but like you said, she's in charge. I would tell him he's not a big boy, he's a baby boy. <laughs> yeah, and, and just so sweet. What do you think when you get a, uh interested adopter who's in Colorado? I think I was just very, like, I guess I was taken off. For a second, like, how did they even find these dogs? And how serious are they? Yeah, it's how like, serious is someone going to drive they? from Colorado? Because a lot of times people will be like, hey, I need to schedule this meet way out. And I'm like, okay, we can schedule it, but they might get adopted before then. Mm-hmm. Usually when people are trying to schedule f- far out in advance, they don't follow through or they end up adopting another mm-hmm. dog and change their mind. And I think with... And big boys adopters, they at first were like, it's going to be a couple weeks. We have these things going on right now. Mm -hmm. So I was a little unsure of if it was actually going to happen. And then they pushed the meet and greet forward to where it was like, they're getting adopted next week. Yeah, they're all in. (laughs) They put a travel hold on them with Great Plains SPCA so that they could drive and come get them. And we've both had the experience where people will put a 24-hour hold because they see a dog online or they came to meet it and they have to go home and talk Mm -hmm. to their family about it, or they're working so we can't come in today, or they're in St. Joe and we're about to close, like, well, we'll come in tomorrow, and they give you their credit card number and they get a 24-hour hold, and you never see them. Yep. (laughs) And sometimes they don't even tell you they're actually not coming. Yeah, you're just, you've got this dog on hold and 24 hours passes and you've heard nothing from them and the hold comes off. So when someone says they're going to come from Colorado, it's like, okay, I guess we'll see. (laughs) So then they show up. Was the uh, meet and greet at your house or was it at Great Plains? It was at Great Plains. They took us into kind of a larger room so that Pam and Big Boy would be more comfortable. Mm -hmm. Because yeah, because they need space because that's, Our experience when we shot the video in the yard, it was nice to add that space so Pam could size things up and ease in when she was ready, and and there's no pressure on Big Boy to do anything. He could just wait for approval, and meet and greet went well. Could you tell immediately? It's like, they're going home with this couple. Oh, I knew knew they were taking them. (laughs) They just looks on their face. They were absolutely smitten with the two pups. (laughs) And they renamed them Poppy and Ozzy. Instead of Pam and Big Boy, and then just pack them up and drive back to Colorado. Obviously, Pretty there's much. paperwork, <laughs> but yeah, once they took care of the paperwork and paid, yeah. taking them home, have you gotten updates? 
I have gotten updates. Um, every now and then, uh, Cheryl will send me just a cute little picture or five pictures at a time of the two of them doing what they do out in the yard, say, like sticking their nose through the fence to say hello to the neighbor's dog or sleeping on the couch. Pam actually letting Big Boy have a toy without taking it from him. <laughs> so she clearly is accepting that this is their home. Mm-hmm. She doesn't have to be as diligent in taking care of him now. It's like, we're home. Mm-hmm. Not like we're on the road, we're traveling, I have to keep an eye on you. This is just our temporary home. Well, I'm going to play that interview that I did with Cheryl that talks about the adoption from their perspective, and then we'll be back to hear more from Rachel. I'm pleased to welcome from Newcastle, Colorado, Cheryl Warder to Dog Words. Welcome to the show, Cheryl. Thank you. A while back, people who follow Rosie Fund on social media might have seen two just sweet, adorable, bonded pair dogs that were looking for adoption, that were in foster, Pam and Big Boy. They just were taking such wonderful care of them. And most of the time, adoptions are people who just come to the shelter or maybe see a dog online and they're in Kansas City and they want a dog or a cat or any other animals and they pick them up. You probably noticed in my introduction, I mentioned that Cheryl's in Newcastle, Colorado. So, Cheryl, how did you find Pam and Big Boy? I had been looking online at rat terrier sites to adopt, and I couldn't find any in Colorado. I, I mean, I mean, there were a couple that were sort of rat terrier looking, but they all had issues. And one day I came across these photos on, I think it was a Facebook page, by, and Melissa Peck had put these photos up, and they were just darling, these two little dogs. The photos were from April, and it was now August. But I thought, I'm going to text her anyway, or I'm going to message her just to see if they're still available. And she got right back to me. Within five minutes, she got back to me and said, yes, they are still available. And she knew the dogs. And she knew where they were being fostered, and she was very enthusiastic. So that was the start of it. With Rosie Fund, we help senior and harder-to-adopt dogs find their forever home. And senior dogs are pretty obvious that they are senior because you look at their bio and it says they're 11 years old. Harder-to-adopt can be any number of things. It's... um, a breed that's harder to to adopt because of municipalities that have breed restrictions or it's a dog that has health issues or behavioral issues. What do you think was Pam and Big Boy's challenge? Why were they there for so long? I think it probably was because of their age. They were nine years old and they were a pair. They, They needed to go as a pair. And sometimes, you know, that can be a drawback. It was okay with us because we had two dogs before. I met Pam and Big Boy when we shot the video, obviously. And if you didn't read their bio, you wouldn't know that they would fall into the category of a senior dog. Just meeting them, other than the fact that they were well-behaved and and well-socialized and mature, but that can be a three- or four-year-old dog. A puppy is going to be a little less uh, mature, a little more out of control. But these just seemed like sweet, well-behaved dogs. They don't act like they're they're nine years, almost ten now. Yeah, so they no one has like told that them. No, no one has 
told them they, they act quite a lot younger, you know. So when did you actually get to meet them? Not until we picked them up in September, so, on September 12th or 13th, I think it was. So you drove in from Newcastle, which, as you mentioned uh, before we started recording, is on the West Slope. So how long a drive is that to Kansas City from there? It was about a day and a half. It's like 760 miles or something. So I wouldn't have done that had I not spoken to Melissa and Rachel both and heard, heard all about these dogs. So you meet them, and what was your reaction to them and their reaction to you? Well, first of all, I thought they were really cute. We got into the shelter, and one of them peed on the floor right away. And then the other one threw up. Aussie threw up. <laughs> I thought, oh, good. We're off to a great start. <laughs> they were so sweet. They were really so sweet. And, and um, there was no question that we were going to take them. I really liked them. And they were the right size, and they were just cute dogs. Dogs can be so empathetic, and it's probably just a case of them being nervous and sensing everyone else is nervous and just being overwhelmed by the situation and a little stressed out so you can lose control. Yeah, I think so. When did you get to really get a sense of what their relationship was with each other beyond what you had been told by Rachel and Melissa, was it in the car ride home or was it after you'd had them for a few weeks? I think probably on the way home, we got a very good sense that Poppy was in charge or Pam. She mm -hmm. was in charge and uh, Ozzy was just, he would look at her and see what she was going to do. And then he would do it too. <laughs> so at this point in their story, we're going to go ahead and transition from Pam and Big Boy to Poppy and Ozzy. When did you name them Poppy and Ozzy? Did you have that in mind before you even picked them up? Yes. Yes. And are for those, two reasons. Yeah. For yeah, two are those reasons. names special to you? Had you? Well, not really, but I, but I, I have one of my best friends name is Pam. And so I kind of didn't want a dog named after her. And then, and then big boy, big boy is like the sandwich to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you, <laughs> yeah. You so, picture that uh, big statue out in front of the restaurant. Yeah. 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 So, so I thought, well, I'll try it. I got a P name for Poppy, see, but then I couldn't think of one I liked for Ozzy, but I liked Ozzy. So he, they, they figured those names out within a week. Yeah. They, they were clearly very smart and their relationship is just so precious because big boy is big relative to, or Ozzy is a big boy relative to Poppy, but Neither of them are large dogs. They're rat terriers. So Poppy is a little smaller than Ozzy, but as you explained, she's in charge. Yes. Yes, she is. He's a, he's a real lover dog. He's, he's a cuddler, and here he is with those big, long legs, and he wants to sit on your lap and cuddle up. And she's much more compact, and she wants to sit on your lap too, but he, he's the real cuddler. Yeah, it's not that he's timid or insecure. He's just uh, very respectful of yes. Poppy. Oh yes, oh yes. Does that personality extend beyond their relationship? Is Poppy just in charge of everything? Well, she'd like to be. Yes, <laughs> she's not, but she did try real hard for a couple of weeks to be in charge of everything. Testing boundaries, trying to figure out 
yeah, all yeah. of that. And she, she, she got over it pretty quickly, and now she's just, they're so smart and, and behave so well. They're just a delight to have. Well, I'm thrilled that they are settled in, making themselves at home. And you have a husband, Hugh. What does uh, Hugh think of Poppy and Ozzy? Oh, he was the one who wanted to get the dogs. Let's get a dog. We need a dog. We need a dog. Find a dog, he said. So he loves them, too. We get a big kick out of them. They're quite entertaining. You said you'd had rat terriers before. Have you had dogs all your life? Have they always been rat terriers? What's your history with dogs? I've always had dogs. Even as a kid, we had dogs and cats. And I, we have, we've had a dog ever since we've been married. I think maybe one time we had no dog, and a lot of the times we had two dogs. But our last dog was a little rat terrier that we got from the Aspen Animal Shelter. He was 10 years old. And compared to Poppy and Ozzy, he would have been 20. He was an old 10, mm-hmm. and they are not. But he was the sweetest dog we've ever had. So when I started looking for dogs, I wanted to try and get, to get another rat terrier. So... That's how I ended up with the rat terriers. I'm just so grateful that you did not let the distance be a deterrent to you giving a forever home to two very deserving dogs and uh, having a, an open heart and an open mind and, and an open house. And also that you were willing to expand your search, not just make the drive, but to be looking online and being so persistent in finding the dog that you felt would be the right fit for your household. And I want to highlight for all of our followers, not just of Rosie Fund and uh, and Dog Words, but with shelters and rescue groups around the country, even if you're not looking for a dog, following on social media, looking at the YouTube videos, just gets more exposures. The more views that our YouTube videos have, the more likely they are to be found by someone else looking for a video. The more likes and shares we have on Instagram and Facebook, the more those are going to pop up in other people's feeds. And Poppy and Ozzy, other than the fact that they were just being very patient and waiting for the right home, there was no reason for them to sit so long in foster and in a shelter. And there's lots of other dogs like that. And people like Cheryl and Hugh are what uh, give us hope that those long timers are going to find their forever home. Did you have a sense, Cheryl, that they knew they were going home when they got in the car with you? I kind of did. You know, they kind of got right in. They looked at us. Got right in, never, never made any kind of protest whatsoever, even though they were obviously very attached to Rachel, and I'm sure it was very hard for her. We've had them five months now, and I can't imagine giving them up. Yes, it's hard but important work that a foster does. And for a while after the, the adoption, there's that initial moment where you're just thrilled that we finally have got them in their forever home, and then it hits you I may never see them again. And so then that's tough for a while. But then eventually it gets back to you did what was best for that dog. And especially when you take then the next foster and know the reason I can 
give this dog a chance is because Poppy and Ozzy have moved on to their forever home and made space for this next dog. It is difficult, but it is so valued and so important. Cheryl, I can't thank you and Hugh enough for helping Poppy and Ozzy and also for coming on to share your story and and reminding people just how important it is to look for the right dog, be patient until you find the right dog, but then when it comes time to act, to go to whatever lengths are necessary, even if it's driving all the way from western Colorado to Kansas City, Missouri, to give two sweet, wonderful dogs their forever home. We are so happy we found them. And I have kept in touch with Rachel and Melissa, too, because because I know they care about these dogs. Yeah, that means so much to Fosters to be able to see those updates, whether it's pictures and videos are great, but even just a few words to say, here's something they did today. Here's something cute, something special, and how grateful we are that uh, you took care of our dogs for us until we found each other. Well, I certainly am. Rachel told me that Poppy would make me laugh every day, and she does. She is the funniest little dog. She always has something going on. And I think of Rachel in that, and <laughs> she's, she's a character. And it's nice that uh, that guarantee came through, so you don't have yes, to return them. Oh, no. No returns on this. 100% guarantee or your money back. Yeah, yeah, they're wonderful little dogs. And it's especially nice to be able to talk to the foster people and find out what they're really like. Because it's really hard, I think, when you're just talking to the... When we got the other dog from the shelter, we got nothing from them other than he doesn't bark. (laughs) And he didn't bark for the first two or three weeks. Until he realized, oh, wait, I can bark here. I can bark here. I can go out on this deck and bark all I want. (laughs) A shelter, even if... Staff and volunteers are spending all the time they can with a dog. It's such an artificial environment that it really is not a true indication of what is their personality, what do they react to, what do they enjoy, the kind of information that you do get from a foster environment where they're in a home and they're getting more casual walks and maybe more regular walks and a more regular diet and a more regular schedule and exposure to things that you don't get exposed to in the shelter. So that's also the value of, of having a foster. You get that more authentic bio and then it's someone you can talk to who you know has spent that kind of time with the dog and not just happened to have taken a shift walking the dog or just read the notes on the dog. Right. Right. Well, I thank you so much for your time and for giving us an update on Poppy and Ozzy. Thank you, Cheryl. Thank you. And thank you to Rachel and Melissa, too. So we're so happy for Poppy and Ozzy. They're in their forever home with a couple that loves them. But Cheryl and Hugh aren't the only ones who love Poppy and Ozzy. You had them in your home for three months. You were working with them or knew about them for several months before that. What is the emotional journey of taking care of those animals and then saying goodbye? Pretty much during the meet and greet, I was just trying not to cry because I knew they were leaving. 
And then when I was walking out of the building, Big Boy was just watching me leave just to, you know, make it a little bit harder. Mm -hmm. And then as soon as I got to the car, I broke down and I probably cried for about a week. Like I did when they got transferred to a different shelter. I cried the whole time I didn't see them. But I just kept reminding myself, like, I was a temporary place for them. I knew that my home wasn't the perfect fit for them, even though I really wanted to keep them. I think for a lot of fosters, especially me, I just like to move on to the next one. I'm like, who am I going to get next? Who's going to help me feel better? It's tough, but you know that if you hadn't made that commitment to them, they might still be in a shelter. They might still be looking for their forever home. Yeah. So you gave them the chance that they deserved, got them into their forever home, and different fosters have different approaches. Some want to have distance. It's like, I need a few weeks, a few months, Mm -hmm. and then I'm going to circle back. For others, it's, I need to keep going. I need to have some place to focus my attention, and whichever way it works for that foster, there's no right or wrong way. But for all of them, there is that peace of mind that you've done a good thing. Mm-hmm. So thank you for doing that. Now that you have Suge, does that mean no more fostering for a while? Nope. I have a foster in my house right now. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about your foster. I have a 35-pound pit bull named Marina. Just a little black pity. <laughs> we record a few weeks in advance before we we post these because we don't have a production crew for editing and posting. So I have to work this into Mm -hmm. uh, my schedule. But maybe Marina. Maybe Marina. (laughs) Is uh, still available when this is aired. How would someone find out more about that dog if they're interested? I'm hoping she gets adopted before then, but she is a little black pit bull and sometimes they have a Harder time. I would love for this question to be a waste of time. I would Um, love for there to be no reason to ask this and that, nope, already got adopted. But just in case. You can look on the Casey Pet Project website under adopt and then click dogs. And there's also a filter that you can look for dogs in foster homes. And it's in alphabetical order. Scroll down to Marina. And there she is on the website. You can email foster at caseypetproject.org to see if she's a good fit in your house. So she's... On the small side for pitties yes. at 35, what's her build? Like, she's, is she a squatty body? She's very lean and muscular. Okay. And I'm picturing some of the many dogs that uh, we've known at, uh, at the shelter who, who fit that description. What's her personality? She is basically a couch potato. Like, she'll get her zoomies and get a little jumpy playful, but then she just wants to cuddle you for the rest of the day. <laughs> That's a great fit for a lot of people because yeah. it gets you active because I'm going to play with Marina and burn off some of this energy. We're going to go for a walk or she's going to run around in the yard, but then to be able to, now I'm just going to chill. Someone who works at home, it's like she's going to sleep or we're going to watch a ball game or a movie or something. There's a lot of places where she would be a good fit. Yeah. And hopefully if you're listening to this, it's too late that you've missed out. (laughs) And Rachel has moved on to her next foster but if not check and uh who knows maybe you'll find someone else Vinny's over there now grumbling because he wants some attention good boy Vin. anything else um interesting or exciting going on at 
Wayside Waves. We recently took on a large transfer from Louisiana from City Shelter there. So we got quite a few dogs from them. Some of them are a little bit on the more shy, fearful side. So they're going through a training program to help them build confidence before they're made available for adoption. But a lot of them have already been adopted. That is great. People may not be aware that in the South, there are a lot more dogs and possibly also cats, but certainly I'm aware of dogs, possibly because of the weather that they can just roam free and people just turn them loose for whatever reason. Let's not explore that. But uh, for instance, Julian Javor, who does Pet Rescue Pilots, <laughs> Vinny, you're such a clown, Vinny. Vinny's being a clown. So if you come to meet Vinny, if you want to adopt Vinny, you can see what a clown he is. Funny boy. But Julian Javor with Pet Rescue Pilots, a lot of the transport that he does is moving dogs from south to north. Mm-hmm. And we had Rue Yori, who does American Ninja Warrior. Part of his uh, charity is pet transport, and it's moving dogs north. So Great Plains, Wayside Waves, KC Pet Project, and a multitude of rescue groups. A lot of what they're doing is... oh. Vinny has an announcement. We'll get to your announcement in a moment, Vinny. Is getting this intake of dogs from Louisiana, Texas, other southern states coming to us. And it's great if we can get them adopted here, but sometimes they get moved on to Minnesota where there are adopters waiting. Rachel, thank you so much, not only for the great work that you do, but for coming to our studio to be on Dogwords. Thank you for having me. I'm Phil Hatterman, and you've been listening to Dog Words, presented by Rosie Fund. Thank you to Rachel Province and Cheryl Warder for joining us today. A link to Poppy and Ozzy's Rosie Fund YouTube video is in the description, along with links to Great Plains SPCA, KC Pet Project, Wayside Waifs, and Dog Words episodes that I mentioned in this interview. Next time on Dogwords, Bob Bryant of Mission Canine Rescue reminds us that canine veterans deserve a forever home with someone they know and love. A big thank you to alternative string duo The Wires, featuring cellist Sasha Groshong and violinist Laurel Morgan Parks for playing the wonderful music you've heard on today's and previous episodes of Dogwords. Supporting The Wires supports our mission. Learn more about The Wires, including their concert schedule at thewires.info, and download their music on iTunes. Check out FiddleLife.com and learn to play fiddle and cello fiddle online from Laurel and Sasha, even if you've never played before. Join Laurel and Sasha as they explore new music and delve into the inspiration behind each work as hosts of Sound Currents on 91.9 Classical KC. Click on the Sound Current links in the description for more information. Go to rosyfun.org to shop and get links to our social media. As always, please download, follow, rate, and share dog words. This helps us with sponsorships, then Rosie Fund can help more dogs. Send us your comments, questions, and suggestions via the contact form at rosiefund.org and let us know if you would like to be a sponsor or a guest of the Dog Words podcast. Thank you for listening to Dog Words, and remember, we save each other.